The aftermath of the historic partial government shutdown lingers for many federal employees. They're still trying to get back to some sort of financial normal, maybe even develop new habits that would help them better weather the next interruption in pay. For some advice, we turn to veteran financial planner and retirement expert, Tammy Flanagan. And Tammy, I guess it's fair to say that many federal employees still really are trying to get back to whole here, aren't they? Yeah, Tom. Unfortunately, yeah, a lot of employees were really thrown for a loop by the extent of how long that last furlough lasted and missing two paychecks, even with the back pay, uh, people are still trying to dig out from under the, the burden of that. You know, I used to say to my kids when they were little that when they wanted something expensive, I would say, you know, we're only two paychecks from living in the minivan. And I was kidding. But the fact is, a lot of people really are only a couple of checks from trouble. That's what the statistics show. Yeah, it's kind of surprising to see how many people don't have that rainy day fund or cash reserve set aside for a situation like this. So it it really does throw them for a loop. And you've got some good advice. You've been talking to some experts on maybe redoing how you live your life when you get that paycheck and you're not wealthy and you don't have a gigantic paycheck. Nevertheless, you can make changes to be able to weather these kinds of vicissitudes, even though people knew they would eventually get paid again. That doesn't help when the rent is due and you have no money in your checking account. What are some of the things people should do to change and make themselves more uh, resilient? Yeah, I think there are some some, uh, wake-up calls to be learned from this lesson of the furlough, uh, where employees, if they're not able to set aside money from their paycheck for not only their TSP savings, but also to set aside some cash reserves, then it's time to take a good hard look at your spending and find out places where you might be able to cut back a little bit and maybe set aside some of that money into a a bank account or a credit union account or some type of separate account from which you spend every month so you can start building up a cash reserve. Uh, Most financial planners recommend that you have three to six months of living expenses Uh, set aside for a situation just like what we went through uh, last month. It sounds corny, but is it actually useful for people to write down their financial goals, maybe with dollar amounts in the writing down? For example, if your living expenses are $1,000 a month, I wish, and your goal was to save 4000 for four months, writing that down, would that help you get there better? Yeah, I think if you wanted to really understand what it is that it takes to, to live in your lifestyle, you know, write down the things. Uh, I know with us, and maybe many people do this today, they do a lot of electronic banking and electronic um, credit card payments. So I could easily look at my credit card statement to see what do we spend for groceries every month? What do we uh, spend at the gas station? And then I can look at our bank statement to see, you know, what is our income that gets deposited every month? So uh, if you have that that type of accounting method, that makes it a lot easier. But if you still do things the old-fashioned way, I think getting a pen to paper might give you a reality check to see what, where it is that you might be able to cut back and what spending is necessary you know, to, to keep a roof over your head and food on the table. And in your work with federal employees and people in general, what categories do they tend to overspend in or what are areas they can easily economize in that they may not be aware of until you point it out? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I I have a feeling it's probably the fact that we feel like we earn a good salary and most federal employees uh, do earn a pretty decent pay rate, especially if they're in the Washington, D.C. area. They might be earning the average federal pay of 85000 or even a six-figure salary, which sounds like a lot of money. Sounds like you should be able to drive the most recent model car and you know, move up to that bigger house. But in some cases, that may not be the most realistic thing to do. 
Um, you know, if you're not able to set aside that money for the future, if you don't have money set aside for your kid's college, if you're not saving at least 10 to 15% of your pay in your TSP account or other retirement accounts, then maybe you need to rethink your lifestyle and maybe downsize just a little bit. We're speaking with retirement and financial planning expert Tammy Flanagan. And to downsize, though, that takes some effort and some expense. How do you go about that? I guess it just is going to take a, you know, like they used to say, tightening your belt. You know, if you're going to Starbucks every day and eating out lunch three or four times a week, you know, maybe you can't afford to do that. You really have to uh, give yourself a little reality check to see if there are places that you're spending money that really doesn't need to be spent in the event that you're not setting aside that money for the future and you don't have that money set aside for an emergency such as what we went through. You know, this is uh, definitely not the only emergency that can come up. You know, your car could break down, you might need a new roof on the house, there could be a natural disaster that occurs. So there's so many things that can occur that could really set you into financial tailspin. So um, a little common sense, a little uh, hard look at your expenses, and your spending for you and your family. You know, sometimes it requires the kids to, to let them know that, hey, you know, maybe we can't do all three sports this season. Maybe we have to cut it back because we can't afford the uniforms. Um, it's, it's tough to say that when you make a good salary that you have to live on a budget, but most of us do. Most of us have to keep our expenses in check. I've read articles about these super savers or people that want to be financially independent by the time they're 37 and they don't have cable and they almost make it a virtue to show what, well, for lack of a better word, cheapskates they are. And so rather than keeping up with the Joneses, they try to just ignore the Jones and become their own Joneses in how little they spend. Is that a really a good policy? Is that sustainable for most people? Well, I think that's the other extreme. And, and you know, as with anything, I think extremes can be difficult to maintain. So whether it's you're not saving a dime or you're – Saving everything and living in a you know little home or you know those what are those uh, called those little little houses that people live in storage trailers yeah. but um, that may not be for for most people for practical purposes either but I think you know just uh, to to kind of you know do something reasonable uh, and realize that maybe if you're driving that you know sometimes I'll have a client show up for retirement counseling and they're in a beautiful car you know low, late model car they've They've dressed uh, to the to the nines, and yet when we look at their retirement plans, they have not even been able to save 10% of pay in the thrift, and they're not going to be able to retire on the same net income that they bring home in their paycheck. And that can be a little scary because they're going to have to downsize at retirement time or continue working longer than they might have planned. So a little uh, planning ahead, thinking ahead to your retirement well before you plan to retire can go a long way towards um, making yourself more financially independent uh, into the future. And did you find that during the shutdown there were people who borrowed against their TSP accounts? That's really an expensive way to do it, though, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, unfortunately, there were people who took hardship loans because of the furlough. There were also people who borrowed from their TSP account. In fact, the TSP indicated there was a 26% increase in hardship withdrawals and, a, and also an increase in the number of TSP loans that were taken out. And both of those have their disadvantages. You know, with the hardship loan, uh, you do have to pay that back with interest, and that's going to be in addition to your contributions to the TSP, so that's going to come out of your future paychecks. And with the um, hardship withdrawal from the TSP account, 
that's a taxable distribution. And if you weren't 59 and a half when you claimed that, there's a 10% early withdrawal penalty tax that also has to be paid. So unfortunately, you don't have all of that money that you withdrew to spend, and you may find that out to be a pretty uh, sobering fact at tax time. So yeah, borrowing from retirement accounts should be definitely a last resort, and unfortunately, that probably was the case for those people who had to resort to that. And the other thing was that people had available, I think, was some of the credit unions and even some of the commercial banks did offer interest-free loans to federal employees that were furloughed or working without pay. And they that seems like a, the best possible deal. Yeah, I think if you could have gotten something like that, that would have been a better choice than to borrow from your, your retirement savings. Um, but yeah, I guess not everybody knew about that. There is a proposal in Congress to alleviate that 10% early penalty for those people who took those hardship withdrawals. But, of course, proposals aren't law, so we'll have to wait and see what Congress does about that. Tammy Flanagan is Senior Benefits Manager at the National Institute for Transition Planning. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 